Hey, I'm Gabriel Goldfeder. I'm a Jewish life consultant, a.k.a. Rabbi. Many of the great myths and stories tell of a life interrupted. All was going according to a certain plan that was simple and elegant in its design. Seamless, as it were. One anticipated and predictable event leading to another. And on and on towards a horizon that promised simplicity and happiness and harmony. Until something happens. The flow is interrupted. Perhaps by a tragedy. Perhaps by a dark and menacing, or even simply mysterious figure who comes along and disrupts. The characters in the story and the reader might wish that that hadn't happened. We, like the characters in this story, might have been anticipating that horizon resolution with its peace and simplicity and harmony. But the event, or the menacing figure, is not going away. Often that event, or that figure, represents a kind of mirror that is erected at the crossroads, pointing back from that moment all the way to the beginning and the origins of that flow, and often showing that things were not quite as perfect as they had seemed and that the simple, harmonious flow was actually serving to hide something, or to ignore it, or to simply wash over it and hope that it would go away. In that sense, that moment, or that figure, forces the characters and the reader to reflect, what have we been avoiding? What have we taken for granted? What tiny red flags have we been all too willing to ignore? Whose unseemly behavior have we been willing to excuse as long as we can move briskly towards that pleasant horizon? These stories reflect a very real reality that almost all, if not all of us experience, namely that life rarely, if ever, simply flows from the beginning to that wonderful horizon without event. And come to think of it, it wouldn't necessarily be so attractive that it would. Even if we might think that quickly and directly reaching that ultimate happy ever after is the best game plan. Deep down, many of us know that that is simply shallow, that it would leave our lives at a certain level of surfaceness. It would leave certain depths and resources unexplored and untapped. We know that at those moments of greatest challenge, that's when the really good stuff comes out. That's when people come alive and find hidden reservoirs 
of strength and perseverance and clarity and commitment that they didn't know they had and might never have discovered if they hadn't been pushed to do so. But it's important to remember that tapping into those reservoirs of strength and resource is not automatic. We don't simply know what to do, and we don't simply do it. And that's why these stories are so valuable to us. Having access to a good story that includes a moment like the one I'm describing, a story that we can slow down and read and delve into and repeat and explore again. These stories can show us where that switch is. They can show us what it takes in order to flip the switch. They can show us what happens after. They can show us how a person might be transformed through that process. And with that, those stories can become part of our own memories. The stories themselves can become resources for us to use when we are faced with such moments. So in this series, we will explore an array of stories from Tanakh, mostly, from our biblical tradition, that feature an individual or a family or even a nation whose life was proceeding in a certain way. It was headed towards that ultimate horizon of resolution and harmony and peace, and then it was interrupted. And these true heroes who we will meet along the way, including Moshe, Esther, David, Shlomo, Yaakov, Rachel, these true heroes will teach us through their own stories and their experiences, and yes, through their failures, they will teach us and guide us and empower us so that we too can face that second mountain and courageously engage the process and the task of beginning to climb it. Today, we will explore the story of Moshe, Moshe, our teacher, Moshe Rabbeinu. I'd like to bring your attention to the peak moment in the first half of Moshe's life. It literally takes place on a peak at the peak of Mount Sinai, Har Sinai. After the original revelation that took place between God and the people of Israel at Har Sinai, the revelation, as it were, ended. The people were sent back to their tents, but Moshe was called back to the top of the mountain and entered into a cloud where he would meet the divine for further revelation. At that time, God told and taught and dictated to Moshe an array of laws, ranging from the sublime to the mundane, describing the society that would be built through the vision of the Torah. In addition, God gave Moshe the blueprint of the Mishkan, of the traveling temple. 
this Mishkan would serve as a sort of nest for the ultimate object. The ultimate object was the very Ten Commandments, which were chiseled by God onto two stone tablets. After dictating to Moshe all of the laws and rules which were told to him at that time, as well as the blueprints for the Mishkan, we are told in chapter 31 of the book of Exodus, Vayitain el Moshe kechavoto ver ito bahar Sinai, shnei luchot haedut. And God gave to Moshe, after he had finished speaking to him at Har Sinai, the two tablets of testimony. Luchot Evan, tablets of stone, ketuvim be'etzba Elohim, written by the finger of God. This moment is a touchdown. It is the anticipated end of a long process that had started many years ago. When the Jewish people went down to Egypt, it had been promised and prophesied that they would leave Egypt. And God had told Moshe at the burning bush that when they left Egypt, they would then serve God on this very mountain. And here they were at that mountain. Everything had gone according to the plan that God had dictated. The Jewish people stuck in Egypt had been redeemed through wonders and miracles. The revelation of God in Egypt had been profound. The crossing of the sea had been profound. The manna was falling. They were eating divine food every day. They were being guided by a pillar of fire. They were accompanied by a well that provided water. They were protected by a sukkah made of clouds. They had collectively heard the revelation at Harsinai from God's mouth. And all that had to happen, the only thing left, the last piece, is that these tablets written by the finger of God would be brought down by Moshe from heaven, from Shemaim, brought down into the terrestrial world, the Mishkan would be built in order to house these tablets, and that would be it. That would be the end. Game over. Key. Lock. Done. Moshe has the tablets in his hand, and he doesn't know what's happening down at the bottom of the mountain. The next thing we know, the next thing we see from Moshe's perspective is that God says to him, Hashem said to Moshe, Lech raid, go and go down. Because this nation, which you have brought forth from the land of Egypt, has become corrupted. God goes on, They have turned quickly away from the path toward which I have commanded them. Asulahem egel masecha. They have made for themselves a molten calf. And not only that, they have bowed down to it, and they offered sacrifices to it. And not only that, they said, they said, this is the God that took you out of Egypt. 
A little while later, we are told, when Moshe went down and saw the camp, and he saw the calf and the dancing circles around it, Moshe became angry, and he threw down these tablets that he had in his hand, and he broke them, under the mountain. One could imagine Moshe's confusion and frustration at that moment. One could imagine his sense of what could have been if they had just been able to behave, if they'd just been able to stay connected and disciplined for another six hours. If they could have held it together just long enough for him to bring down these tablets, to put them where they go, they could have reached that end together. But one could also imagine Moshe looking in the mirror and looking back on their entire process from the time that they left Egypt, even before they left. The complaining, the inability to believe, the unwillingness to listen, the recalcitrance, the stubbornness, the rebelliousness. And Moshe can look back and say, This was never going to happen this way. We were never destined to simply move quickly through this moment, grab those tablets, put them in the Mishkan, and finish the story. That wasn't going to happen. Because there was just so much discrepancy and deviation, not to mention trauma and pain, that just had not been addressed. And to smooth it over and grab those tablets and get to the land of Israel would leave that material unaddressed and unexamined and untouched. And that would leave the bigger story untold. And it would leave the greater potentials untapped. The incredible strength of Moshe and of the people untold, untapped. So the story widens now having, as it were, conquered the first mountain, the second mountain comes into view. The second story. And we, the readers, have to see this not as a disappointment, but as the beginning of the lesson that we all need to learn.